Praise the Lord. Father, thank you. Wonderful time of worship. That's why we're here. To exalt your name. To lift you high. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege to come into your house. We thank you for the privilege of having a house to come into. We thank you for that and for its people who are willing to come and to worship God. So, Lord, we just ask for your anointing to speak the word that you've given us for this hour. We'll praise you. We'll bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you on a subject, a genuine leaker and whistleblower. Title of the sermon, a genuine leaker and whistleblower. We've heard a lot about that in the last few weeks, haven't we? But I want to talk to you about a genuine leaker. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8, then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. What the king of Syria was saying was, let us set up an ambush to defeat the king of Israel. The enemy is always trying to ensnare God's people. He's always trying to encircle us. He's always trying to ambush us. He's always trying to circumvent God's will in our lives. Paul the Apostle said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I want to talk to you for a few moments about that word devices in Greek. God speaks to our mind, and God gives us mental perceptions or thoughts revealing to us what and how the enemy is planning an evil purpose in our life. If you hear the voice of God, and if you listen to the voice of God, and if you read the word of God, God will give you revelation and show you how the enemy wants to enter into your life, into your situation or circumstance. And he always wants to bring an evil purpose to your being. God wants us to have understanding in our mind. He wants us to think upon the word of God. He wants us to heed it, to ponder it. He wants us to consider the strategy against the devices that God puts in our mind through thoughts, through revelation. Do you understand what that means? God wants to give you a plan on how to defeat the enemy in any area of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the same verse in the ESV version says this, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. God does not want any of us to be outwitted. He doesn't want any of us to be outwitted by the designs of the enemy. The enemy was put under the feet of Jesus over 2,000 years ago. And God has given us power, as my grandson said in that verse this morning. God has given us power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us according to the word of God. God always wants to give you a heads up of what's going to happen. He gives you an inclination. He gives you a wooing in the spirit. 
He gives you an intuition. He gives you a word. You hear it through a song or through a preacher. You just know when something is about to take place. But then you also know, if you keep your mind on God, the thoughts that God gives you, how to circumvent, praise God, the encircling of the enemy. Can you say amen? Amen. God always wants his people to be one step ahead of the enemy. You find that in the workforce a lot. Because we're Christians, you know, people think we're just meek and dumb people. But they don't realize when they're walking toward our sheepfold that we live in two worlds. We live in the physical world and we live in the spiritual world. And you know when you see trouble coming. You just know in your spirit when someone's walking to you and you know that they don't have good things in mind for you. And it's amazing how all of a sudden you look, praise God, and God gives you the thought and the revelation. And God says, this is not a good one here. The one that's approaching you. And then God allows you to circumvent that person with a thought, with a phrase, with, a, with, with an action or a behavior. And all of a sudden the person is looking at you thinking, oh, I was going to get him. Oh, no. God outwitted you, praise God, in the name of Jesus. I love when God allows us to outwit the enemy. Praise God. None of us likes to lose. None of us likes to be outwitted. We all want to win. And we are winners through Christ. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 9, And the man of God, the man of God, I will reveal who this man is, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. Listen, this is how God works. And a lot of times he works through a Christian, through a preacher, through a prophet. Okay? This is what God was saying here. He was saying this. God knows the future. And God knew the future of the king of Israel. And God knows your future. And sometimes, you know, we doubt God's love for us. Sometimes we doubt that God isn't on time, that, that God isn't working in my life. And, and Lord, it seems like I'm at a dead end. And, and the psalmist said this in Psalm 8, verse 4. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visited him? And, and we're like that sometimes. We say, oh, I don't even know why God loves me. I don't, I don't even know why God wants to work in my life. I don't, I don't even know if God wants to give me good things. And I want to tell you something. God wants to give you thoughts, praise God, against that evil device and that thought that's trying to bring you down. God has good things in store for you. God has blessings in store for you. God has healings in store for us. And praise God, we must not look around and say, I'm just a speck of sand on the beach. No, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I've been chosen by God. I've been ordained by God. Praise God. We have to believe the revelation the man of God came to the king and he said, don't go over there. Now the king is like the president of the country. And the king had so much confidence in this genuine leaker and whistleblower that he believed him. Because this man of God had the best interests of the king in mind. Because he heard from God. He had a revelation from God. He was a prophet of God. And, you know, we're, we're warned in the scriptures. God wants to warn us sometimes. And sometimes we get so busy that we don't heed the warnings of God. Look what it says in the word of God. In Psalms 1911, what a wonderful verse. It says this, Moreover, by them, by the scriptures, is the servant warned, and in keeping of them there is a great reward. Do you know God warns us in the word of God? 
He teaches us. He shows us his word. He shows us his wisdom and knowledge. And God says, I've already given you a warning. I've already given you a heads up on how to defeat the devices of the enemy. The Bible says sometimes we're warned by the preacher. Ezekiel 3.21. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous man sin not and does not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered his soul. Ezekiel 33, 6, just the opposite. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. We have an obligation as men of God. We have obligations as Christians to warn others as God gives us that revelation, to warn someone about impending danger, to warn them about sin, to warn them about pitfalls. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, the wise men, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Joseph was warned in a dream in Matthew 2.22. But when he heard of Achilleus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go hither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. Joseph, don't go there. Go somewhere else. I'll direct you. The Bible says Cornelius in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 22. And they said... Cornelius the the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee in his house, to send for Peter, and to hear the words of Peter. Noah was warned in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet as seen, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. God wants to warn us in these last days. Praise God. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 10, going back to our story, And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned of and saved himself there not once nor twice. What was he saying? God was giving the man of God directions to tell this king and warn the people in that place that we must go to a safe place. What greater safer place do we have than in Christ? What greater place can we go to? Praise God. He is our strong tower. He's our safety. He is our security. And, and God was saying to the king of Israel, he was saying, listen, I have your best interest in mind. And the king of Israel accepted the wisdom and knowledge of the prophet because he trusted him. And you know why he trusted him? Because this wasn't the first time that he warned the king of Israel. Because look what the Bible says. He says in the word of God that it was more than one time. Consistency is so important in the Christian life. People seeing you consistent. People seeing you doing the same thing, praise God for God, on a daily basis over the course of a year. People trusting you. People will come to you. People will sit down with you. People will have their confidences told to your heart. People will look for solutions because you are the role model. This is what the prophet of God was. It was not the first time that he had warned him because the Bible says in 2 Kings 6 and 10, not once nor twice, which means more than twice. It was a trusting relationship. 
What happened? People today don't like to take instruction. The Proverbs 1 and 8 warns us. It says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. What don't people understand about that proverb? You see, the prophet gave the king instruction, and he took the instruction. But you know we're living in an age where you try to sit down with someone because you know that you know that you know the answer for their life at that moment. And they refuse instruction. The Bible says in Proverbs 8.33, hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. We're fools when we refuse the instruction of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. We're fools. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. You know what that's saying? You want to grow old and be wise in your older age? Then hear counsel when you're younger and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. It's a great thing to have wisdom as you get older. It's a great thing to have knowledge. Not only do you have earth years as you get older, but as you live with the Lord and you receive his revelation and you receive his wisdom and knowledge, you can impart that as a mentor, as a seer. You, you, can, you, you can give that to other people and say, hey, listen, I, I've skinned my knee more than one time. I have fallen down numerous times. I've had setbacks and so on and so forth. But you know, today, it's kind of like when you try to give that to other people, they look upon you like you're a dinosaur. Like, I got this and I know this. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have no idea what the future holds. You have no idea that life sometimes is tough. And sometimes if you can pick up a nugget from someone, sometimes if if you can pick up a little gold and silver, which is the wisdom and knowledge of the Bible, my, you can prosper, praise God. You can prosper. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. For what thing? He couldn't find the king of Israel. (laughs) And he called his servants and he said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who's the leaker? Who's the whistleblower? Who is telling the king of Israel my plan? (laughs) Wait a minute. This God dropped right into my lap. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 11 in the message version. And I'm I'm not lying because you got to look at this. The king of Aaron was furious over all this. He called his officers together and said, tell me, who is leaking? Ooh. Who is leaking information to the king of Israel? Who is the spy in our ranks? I said, Lord, thank you so much. Now I know the title of this sermon. A genuine leaker and whistleblower. Who is this guy? You know what it reminded me of? The king is saying, there's someone in my ranks that's disloyal. There's someone in my cabinet. There's someone in in my government. That's trying to go against me. Trying to have an alliance with the, with the king of Israel. <laughs> and there's someone that's figuring out my plan. You see, it's like in football. It was almost like someone was in the huddle of the king. 
hearing the king's plan as he proposed it to his cabinet and saying to his soldiers, go out there and get the king of Israel. We're going to kill him. Who is this guy? Who is this person? Who's in my huddle knowing the plays? Who's stealing signals? Who knows what the next play is going to be and how do they know this? Praise God. You know, you heard that saying, I spy. I think that was a movie or a program one time. Verse 12, and one of his servants said, none, my Lord. There's nobody in your cabinet that's leaking. Well, who is it? Oh, king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. What? Are you serious? Oh, he's such a man of God and a prophet of God. He knows what you're talking about, even in your bedchamber. That's how great God was in the life of Elisha. And he said, go and spy where he is. Now he's going to become the spy. Go try to find out where this man is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he's in Dotham. This is an amazing story. In light of the history in the United States of America right now, where the leaker is trying to take down a president and the government. But here we have a leaker that is trying to uphold a president or a king of a nation and not take him down, but through godly intervention. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Through godly intervention. God brings a prophet of God on the scene to warn a king, don't go there, go to a safe place. I'm already in the huddle of the king, praise God of Syria. So don't you dare worry. If you listen to my instruction, if you listen to the wisdom and knowledge that I'm going to give you as a man of God, praise God, you and your people will be safe. Because it wasn't only the king that was in danger, it was all the people that were in that area where the king of Syria was going to war against Israel. <laughs> you know? When the enemy comes against us, it's usually just not us as an individual. He wants to come against your whole family, your whole being, your whole everything. Your life, your finances, your social life, your, your, your spiritual life, your physical life. He wants to encircle you because this is exactly what we're going to see here in a few moments. You know, sometimes we look at life and we say, wow, what a mountain. Sometimes we say, Behold the impossible. Sometimes we say, behold the ambush. Listen, the Bible says in verse 14 of 2 Kings 6, Therefore sent he thither horses. Look, look what the king of Syria is going to do to go get one man, a prophet of God. Look at the extent. He sends horses and chariots and a great host. You know what that means? A great army. A lot of people. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with the horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? We're surrounded, man of God. I woke up early, and I looked out the door, and you can't believe this entire city is surrounded by an army of Syria, horses and chariots. Isn't that what we say sometimes when all of a sudden the enemy strikes, sends his device, 
And we throw up our hands and say, behold the mountain, behold the impossible, behold the ambush. We say the same exact thing. There's no way out. This is the end. There's no way. But wait, but wait. Praise God. There's more than meets the eye. Have you ever heard that saying? There's more that meets the eye. More shall be revealed. More shall be revealed. This is an intriguing story. Because, let's face it, if this entire town was surrounded and compassed by an enemy, and we're in this church, what's going to be our response? Is it going to be in the natural and the carnal and say, there's no way we're going to get out of this one. This is the big one. They got us. But wait. You always have to wait on God. Because God is the God of intervention. God is the God of divine providence. God is the God of divine destiny. Praise God. And the prophet of God is saying to his servant, Hey, take it easy here. And he said to him in verse 16, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that are with them. What's he saying? Oh, you haven't even seen anything yet, son. Praise God. When God opens your eyes and hallelujah, and you look up to that sky, you're going to see the angel armies. Praise God. You're going to see horses and chariots. You're going to see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. You're going to see the hosts of heaven. Hallelujah. So, son, hold on and don't panic. Do not fear. Do not be afraid or terrified. I want to bring this point to you that God shared with me. Don't stand in awe of what the enemy is doing. Don't let it overcome you. Don't stand in awe because sometimes we almost deify the devices of the enemy in our life thinking there's no way out. He's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. Don't reverence or give honor to the evil device against you. Don't be astonished or be dreadful and don't stand there in awe and say, this is impossible. I can't do this. There's no way out. I'm going to give up. No. Absolutely not. Because, but wait. Praise God. But wait. What's he saying here? He's saying this. Stay cool, servant. Stay calm. Stay collected. And allow God to communicate his plan to you and to me. Fear is the real enemy of our soul. Come on now. Because we say we're cooked. We say we're done. We say there's no way out. We say it's impossible. We say let's give up. We say all these things. And God is saying no a thousand times. But wait. But wait. Because when you wait upon the Lord, you shall be renewed. Because God is obligated to give you the revelation on how to work yourself around the encircling of the enemy. Are you hearing? God does not want his people to be defeated. God wants his people to be victorious. Praise the Lord. So what did Elisha do? He did what all of us should do when we see the mountain before us. He did exactly what we should be doing when it looks like it's impossible. 
when we're ambushed, when we think there's no way out. And verse 17, and Elisha prayed. Don't take that lightly, my friend. Because God is saying, communicate with me. That's why Elisha was such a great prophet. Because he communicated with God. And when he communed with God, God gave him thoughts. Especially about the king. Especially about the government. Especially about the impending ambush. And now, he's telling the king, hey, just sit tight. Find a safe spot. Go to your basement. Lock the door in the bathroom. Whatever. But it's not over. But the word must have got out. And you know it did. And people were jittery. And people were anxious. And people were fearful. But Elijah prayed. And the first course of business was to calm down his servant, praise God, from falling upon his own sword. Because I'm sure he said to himself, I might as well kill myself because they're going to kill me. No, no, wait. He says, I pray thee, open his eyes, God, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Man, wait, don't panic. Watch your confession, watch your profession. So many people are so stinking negative. It's not going to work out. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. And God is looking from heaven and he's saying, man, don't you hear the instruction of my word? Don't you read the stories in the Bible? Don't you read how, I, how people escape? Don't you read the story of Noah? Don't you read how I instructed him to build a boat? Don't you understand that eight people got into the boat, more could have, but they didn't take the instruction of the preacher? We panic. And if you listen to your confession and have a recording... Some of us are pretty negative people. And there's no way that you can even lift a fly off the floor with that negativity. Because listen to your confession. It's so opposite of what God is saying to us. That God wants to give us the revelation. Psalm 119 and verse 18. A beautiful verse that the Lord helped me to find. In the message version it says this. Open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. Open my eyes. Open my eyes, God. We sing that song. Open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. Are miracles and wonders over? Absolutely not. But our confession negates the word of God that's trying to speak to us in our mind, in our thoughts, and in our heart. And we walk away dumbfounded, defeated, and we deify the device that's coming against us by the enemy. Because we proclaim there's no solution to the problem. For God's people, there's always a solution to the problem. Proverbs says this, 29:18, where there's no vision, the people perish. You've got to have vision. You gotta ask God for revelation. Proverbs 29:18 in the message version it says this: if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Look at that again. If people can't see what God is doing, 
They stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. What's God saying? We have to have vision, even in the darkest moment. We have to have vision, even when the enemy comes against us with his devices. We have to have revelations from God only through communication with God as we pray. It's time to open our eyes and see what God's doing in our lives and see what God's doing in the world prophetically. This is going to take place. The second coming of Jesus is going to happen. And God is lining up the prophetic for that to take place. Let us not become like the people that Peter referred to that begin to proclaim in the last day, where is the promise of his coming, preacher? When is he coming? Come on, preacher. You've been preaching that for 45 years. Where is he? Listen, Noah preached for 120 years as he was building a boat. And they mocked him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. Come on, Noah. When is it going to rain? Come on, man. Come on, preacher, man. Come on there, you boys. Come on, preacher boys. Noah said it's coming. You know the old saying, it's Friday, but Sunday is a coming? That's right. Sunday finally came in the days of Noah. Praise God. And you know, one of these days, it's Friday now, but Sunday is a coming. And Sunday is going to come one of these days. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there's going to be a lot of people knocking on the door of the boat. And praise God, God's going to say, praise God, close the door. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, as leaders, we have to propose vision to people. Some people don't see. As leaders, we have to help people see. We have to sit down with people sometimes. The Lord gave me this quote, and he said this. You can look out the window and see the street. Or you can look out the window and see across the street. Or you can look out the window and see down the road. Should have said amen. Let me say that again. You can look out the window and see the street. Or you can look out the window and see across the street. Or you can look out the window and see down the road. We must see down the road because God has promised us in Jeremiah 29, hallelujah, verse 11, that our future, hallelujah, is in his hands. That our life is in our hands. Our family is in his hands. Praise God. Our church is in his hands. The power of the prophet of God. 2 Kings 6.18 And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. What's God saying here? They were going to ambush the enemy of Syria. And they didn't even know it. When they came toward the place where they were going to try to take captive, Elisha prayed and he said, smite this people, I pray thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Elisha was confident in God and he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by God to intervene in the lives of people but also in government and political matters. He walked and talked with God and did great and mighty works. Smite them. He spoke the word, the spoken word. And the armies of Syria were blinded. And in verse 19, Elisha said to them, This is not the way. Neither is this the city. They're blind now. This isn't the way. You're in the wrong town. You're in the wrong city. 
Yeah, you didn't get your GPS right. You must have got low on the battery here. Follow me. <laughs> Follow me. Follow one man. Follow the guy you're trying to capture. Try, trying to find for the king that you want to bring him back and kill me. Follow me. They don't even know who this guy is because he's the leaker and the whistleblower. And I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. <laughs> A little bit of detour. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. How do we get here? The king is going to kill us. He sent us on a mission, and we end up in the wrong town. He sends us the troop, and we end up in Troy. <laughs> and we're led by one man who blinded us. Man, this is, people say, I, why, why should I read the Bible? <laughs> because the, the Bible has so many wonderful stories. Right. Praise God. But let me ask you a question. As God changed the course of the armies of Syria, I want to ask you a question. Is it time for you to change course? Don't get quiet. Are you on the right road? Is God trying to give you new direction in your life? You see, we can hear the word of God. And we can allow the word of God to prick our hearts. Or we can allow the word of God to just rebound off our hearts and go away somewhere. And not apply the word. And I think that's one of the weakest parts of the Christian church. If you can hear an anointed message. A message from a man of God. A message that was born in heaven. And God gives you that message. And you don't apply that message that you heard. You're at a loss. You've encompassed yourself. You've encircled yourself. Because you can walk out the door of this church and say, that was good. But what, she, what we should say is, how does that apply to me? It's kind of like last week I was discussing with my wife that message about when old fears returned between Abraham and Sarah. If I was a man that heard that message, I would say, God, am I passive? If I was a woman and I heard that message, the first question out of my mouth would be to God, am I angry? And then I would ask the next question, why? Why am I passive? Why am I angry? And that's a great conversation that we can have with God. I hear what I'm saying? See, we, we can walk out and say, oh, that was a good message. How good is it? You see, what I'm giving you this morning is information. That's all I'm giving you is information from God's word. If you apply that information, then it becomes gold and silver, wisdom and knowledge of the Bible. But if you just let it rebound off your heart and say, you know what? I'm not in the mood to hear that. I'm not, I'm not in the place. Listen, God wants to change the course and change our direction. He wants to always bring us toward Jerusalem. He wants to bring us toward the cross. He wants to bring us toward him. And as he leads us by the power of the Holy Spirit, praise God. Should we smite them? God said, no, give them uncommon favor. And give them mercy, Elisha. Don't kill prisoners of war in cold blood. 
You captured them through my spirit. Actually, they were God's prisoners. And what did God advise? God is so different than what we would do in that situation. And verse 21, And the king of Israel said to Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? He asked twice, a question twice. Should we kill them? And the prophet answered and said, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 16 and 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. What did God do? See, this sounds foolish. This sounds foolish. And the king of Israel could have killed all the army of Syria. He had them captured. But who did he go to? The prophet. What should we do? Have you heard from God? Because thus far, you've been right on target. <laughs> you've been on the money. You've hit the bullseye. So give me instruction. And he said, God said, give them bread and water. Feed them. And then send them back to their master. See, God already knew what was going to happen. For a number of years, Syria did not attack Israel. Until later down the road, many years later, when a new king appeared, he attacked Israel during the time of a great famine. And he also enclosed the city. And that's a whole other story because that's a miracle. Because the man of God said, by tomorrow there'll be bread. And maybe I'll preach that next week. But what's God saying to us this morning? He's saying to us in Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Look how many times God says I. He's personally involved with each of our lives. He knows every artery, every vein. He knows every muscle. He knows everything about you because he created you in your mother's womb. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall thy flame kindle upon thee. Matthew 10, 29 gives us reassurance. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are more of value than many sparrows. God says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, John abandoned to the Isle of Patmos. And when I saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. What assurance to a 96-year-old man of God. 
who was banished to an island because of his testimony and for the word of God. But yet God in his darkest hour gave him one of the greatest revelations, the book of Revelation, to give us an inkling of what's about to take place in the future. We must trust God in all things. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10 says this, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. What is he saying? Hear what God says. Hear what the word says. Hear what the preacher says. Hear what the teachers say. And God says what? I'll direct your path. This is what God wants to do in our lives. We must read and study the word of God. And not just read. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. Studying takes work. You have to take time. You have to set a a, a moment of the day aside. Not before you go to bed five minutes before and give God a, a little hello. But it's the word of God that nourishes us. Like you eat every day. You have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Snacks. God is saying... Have some breakfast with me. Have some lunch with me. Have some dinner with me. Let me give you a snack. Let me give you a nibble. Let me give you a a golden nugget. Praise God. God desires to give us divine protection. Let me read a few verses to you. In Genesis 35 and 5, And they journeyed, the days in the book of Genesis, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. People feared God in those days. They didn't mess with God's people. They didn't come against God's people because they knew that God was on their side. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 27, it says, I will send my fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. God says hornets. You don't come near my people. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 22, And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. David is inquiring of God, What should I do? But he says, But fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. We must hear the sound, praise God. We must hear the wind. We must hear the stirring in the mulberry trees. When, praise God, it looks impossible that God will come with the horses and chariots. Praise God. 
He says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 29, Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice, praise God, over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets upon the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all of the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. We should come into the house of God with thanksgiving and praise. We should come into the house of God for the victories that have been won this week. We should come into the house of God and have gratitude for the breath, praise God, that he put into our lungs and the blood that flows through our veins and a heart that continues to beat. He said in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 7, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all of the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. You and God are a majority. The prophet was one man who was able to save a nation and save a king. Because God led him to go into the huddle of the king of Assyria and even know the thoughts that he had in his bedchamber. Some people say, well, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter what you believe. This is historical. This happened. This is history. Praise God. Nehemiah, as he was building the wall, he says in Nehemiah 4 and 20, In what place thereof you hear the sound of the trumpet resort thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. Amen. Our God. And you should say as I should, my God shall fight for me. Watch your confession. Watch your profession. Self-defeating words. The word of God warns us that we're ensnared by the words of our mouth. We're ensnared by the word. You know what it means? You circle yourself. You circle yourself. You become your own enemy by the words of your mouth. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you say. And let me conclude some of the strongest verses that God wants to speak to our hearts this morning in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? What things? Mountains, ambushes, impossibilities, circumstances, situations. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall, they, shall, how shall he not with them also freely give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, 
For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. My friend, we have victory. My friend, we have Christ on our side. My friend, we have the host of heaven, the chariots and horses of heaven. We have the angel armies on our side. Praise God. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from our King? Who shall separate us from our Savior? And who shall separate us from our future? Amen. This is the majesty. This is the power. This is the mystery of God. That one day, he had a meeting with your soul. Come on. (laughs) I said he had a meeting with your soul. And betrothed you in marriage. And said, you will be one of my bride. Hear what I'm saying? I said there was a meeting. And there was a marriage. And then follows a ministry. That God has given all of us. Praise the Lord. That is walking this earth as Christians today. People say well. Why would God give me revelation? Simply because he's chosen you. Because you're a peculiar people. Because you're the anointed of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're the elect of God. Why would he give you revelation? Because he's your father. And he said, I'll reveal all these things unto you. He says, I will do nothing without revealing it to my prophets first. God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to the church. God wants to give us victory. And God wants us to go forward because God is on our side. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. God bless you and thank you for listening.